March 1 through March 7, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are very glad to have you with us today on Main Menu. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We are very pleased to have you with us as always. And remember that if you have feedback for us for things that you've heard on Main Menu or you have some things that you'd like for us to present on Main Menu, there's a number of ways you can get a hold of us. You can come to our webpage at www.mainmenu.acbradio.org and come to the page and you can look us up and send us a comment from there or you can sign up for the Main Menu Friends mailing list. We discuss a lot of interesting things on the Main Menu Friends mailing list and a lot of times we get into discussion about technology and particularly accessible technology or other technologies that we wish were accessible on the list that we don't talk about or don't have time to talk about here on main menu and so join us in the conversation we'd love to have you and we'd love to have your comments and suggestions about what we can do to make main menu even better for you and today on main menu we have a number of things for you we're going to start out with david woodbridge from vision australia also a main menu staff member and david is going to be demoing the use of the on-screen keyboard on the microsoft surface rt slate and giving us a little demo of how the on-screen keyboard works with narrator on the surface and then david tanner myself is going to come along i am going to be interviewing nancy miracle from digital miracles and she's going to be talking about their digital eyes app for iphone and tell us a little bit about what it does and how it does it and what it will do for you and then chase crispin comes along again with another interview from atia and he's going to be interviewing eric damery about the latest and greatest from freedom scientific and then david woodbridge from vision australia comes back with us again and he's going to be demoing google chrome on a macbook pro and he's going to be demoing the use of Google Chrome to access described movies on the SA Mobile Network. That's all for you here today on Main Menu. We hope you have a great week. Hope you enjoy the show. And we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. While you listen to Main Menu, do you ever think about a piece of technology that you've been thinking about purchasing, or just a piece of technology that you really want to hear about, but that you are unable to demonstrate for all of the Main Menu listeners? If so, we have a way for you to make those ideas be heard so that the Main Menu staff and other Main Menu listeners can produce segments on that topic. If you visit the Main Menu website at mainmenu.acbradio.org, you will find a link that says create an account. Creating an account is completely free and takes only a few seconds. Once you have an account, 
click on the link that says Segment Ideas. There, you will find a form to add an idea that you would like to see us cover on the show. If you see an idea in the list of ideas that you are able to cover for us on Main Menu, please click the Request This Idea link, which will let us know that you are able to cover this idea, and we will be in touch with you. We look forward to hearing your ideas for topics that we should be covering here on Main Menu. And, as always, thank you for your support in ACB Radio and in Main Menu. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. Welcome to this demonstration of Windows 8 on the Surface RT. And I thought in this demonstration I'll just show you a little bit about the on screen keyboard on the Surface RT using it with Narrator. So I've got the Type Touch keyboard connected to this Surface RT at the moment. So I'm just going to type on the keyboard N O T E P A D. Notepad found. Let's press the enter key. N Untitled Notepad Window Focus on Editing Explorable Text. Now if I go and touch down towards Towards the bottom of the screen. Program Manager pane. Focus on desktop. Okay, Selected. Supports multiple so selection contains one moment. items. So let me touch back up towards the top of the screen again. Untitled Notepad window. Focus on editing explorable text. Double tap to place text insertion point. And triple tap to enter select insertion point at end of line. Okay, end of line. What's well, actually beginning a line in a way because there's no text in there. Now I'm actually going to activate the on-screen keyboard by doing a three-finger double tap, one, two. Now, normally in previous times I've used this, it's actually said keyboard on or keyboard off if I do a three-finger double tap again, but it's actually on the screen. Now, if I go down towards the bottom of the screen again where I had that program manager window... Space button, X button, double tap to activate, triple tap to expand. Okay, so as you heard it said, triple tap with one finger to expand, one finger double tap to activate. So if I drag my finger to the left. S button collapsed, double tap, narrate A button collapsed, double tap to activate, triple tap to expand. And I'll take my finger off the screen, of course. Nothing happens at the moment because it's a one finger double tap to activate. So if I do a one finger flick to the left now on the screen. Backspace button, double tap to activate. One finger flick to the left. P button, double tap to activate. Okay, so as you can tell, it's cycled around from the backspace button. So it went around, up, and then back to the right hand row, and we're not on my one P. So if I flick left. O button. Button collapsed. Oh, double tap right. to a P button. Backspace button. A button collapsed. Okay, double to tap to activate. Triple tap to expand. Now, if I find the A again. A button collapsed. Okay, if I double go tap down to from activate. The a. Left shift button off. Double tap to activate. Triple yeah, tap to toggle off. on. Flick to the left. Enter button. Double tap to activate. Okay, that's the enter button. If I one finger flick to the left in. Single quotation mark. That's single button quotation collapsed. Mark. One double to tap to L button. Double tap to activate. Okay, and as you can tell it's now cycled round to the right hand side of the main home row ASDFGHJKL So I'm going to do one finger flick back to the right. Single quotation enter button, left shift button off, double okay, tap to shift. activate triple tap okay, to toggle on to the right. Z button, okay, Z. double tap to okay, activate. So back to the left Left shift button now off, double tap to activate, triple tap numbers and symbols, button off, double tap to activate 
activate triple tap to toggle on button one finger flick to the right control button off double tap to activate triple tap to toggle on emoticons button off double tap to activate triple space button double tap to activate let me just do one finger flick to the left quickly emotic control numbers and sim right shift button off double tap to activate triple tap to toggle on that I've now cycled around to the end of the row on the right hand side that contains Z, X, C, etc. So I do one finger flick to the left. Question mark. Full stop. Comma. Okay, button collapse. Double M button. M. Double okay, tap so to activate. One finger flick back to the right. Comma. Full stop. Quest. Right shift. Button okay, off. So right shift. Double tap. Numbers and control. Emoticons. Space button. Double tap okay, to activate. Space. One finger flick to the right again. Left arrow button. Double tap to left activate. Right arrow button. Right arrow Double button. tap to right activate. To right. Change layout or hide keyboard button. Change double tap to activate. Button. Dock button. Double tap to activate. Close button. No next okay, item. So I'll leave you to explore the keyboard in full. But remember you can drag your finger around, up and down, left and right around the on-screen keyboard, or one finger flick left and right to go up and down the keyboard row by row. And then when you find the item you want, you do a one finger double tap to activate that letter. So for example, if I want to put in a H, so I'll find the on-screen keyboard again in the bottom. G button H button collapse. So double, double tap, tap to activate triple H. I've done a H and I find E and I'm going to be really lazy and just flick around to the left E. G F but D S A back P but O I U Y T R button E button collapsed. Okay, double so tap to around, activate triple it. tap to expand E. Okay, I'll put in the E. And I'm going to just touch the screen to find L. L button double tap to activate. Okay, tap my finger off one finger double tap L and double tap. In, L and then find O. O button collapsed. Okay, double, double tap, tap to activate O. And then of course a space. Space button. Double, double tap. tap space. Okay, I've currently got focus on the keyboard now. So I need to go back and touch the window for untitled. And this is the only thing I find a little bit difficult. So I'm just going to touch towards the top right hand side of my screen. Untitled notepad window. Untitled focus notepad. on editing explorable text. Double tap to place text insertion point. Triple tap to enter selection insertion point at space. Okay, so it says insertion point at space. Now I'm going to assume that that's at the end of the word hello. Now just for the sake of it, since I'm using a combination of keyboard, on-screen keyboard and the touch screen, I'm just going to use my type touch keyboard. I'm going to press left arrow. O-L-L-E-H. Okay, so that's the word hello that I just typed in on the on-screen keyboard. E-L-L-O space. Okay, dokie. Now the other thing you can do, you can actually change the way that narrator reacts to the on-screen keyboard. When you drag your finger around the screen and hold on a key, you can take your finger off and that'll put the character in straight away. As with iOS and voiceover, you've got a one finger double tap by default, standard typing to put in a character, or touch typing as iOS calls it, to find the letter and take your finger off. And I'll just show you where you can change that. So I'm going to bring up narrator calls with the gesture, three finger tap on the screen. Narrator settings window, focus on tap three times with four fingers to finger review the full the set, general, change navigation, okay, change how you interact with your PC using narrator, read and interact with the screen 
been using the mouse check checkbox, okay, shortcut alt plus, use the numeric key, enable the narrator cursor to fo activate keys on the touch keyboard when you lift your finger, unchecked checkbox, okay, so double tap unchecked. to toggle on, so one finger double tap, checked, and one finger flick over to save, enable the narrator, select the, select the narrator, open button, save changes to these settings, okay, button, tap. tap three times with four fingers to review the full set of touch gestures, okay, so I'm just going to do alt tab, so I'm using the keyboard. Running programs, current application narrator setting, untitled notepad 2 of, right, untitled keys. notepad window, focus on, editing explorable text. Okay, if I press left arrow, space, oh. Okay, there's the O of hello, right arrow, space. Okay, now let me just go in the bottom of the screen and see if the on-screen keyboard's there. Program manager, and focus on narrator. Not. So let me touch the screen again to get back in the untitled window of the notepad. Untitled notepad window, focus Focus on editing explorable text. Double tap to yeah, place do text insert to sure insertion in point at O. And let's activate the on-screen keyboard again with three fingers twice. One, two. And let's touch the bottom of the screen and see if the on-screen keyboard's there. Space button. Double there. tap to activate. So, hello. Let's do world. Q button. W button collapsed. Okay, so double w. tap to activate. It triple still says tap to tap expand. To activate, but that's okay. Take my finger off. W. There's W. Let's find O. U button collapsed. I button collapsed. D o button collapsed. Okay, off. D o Let's find R. T button collapsed. R button. Finger R. Off. L. K button. D L button. L. Right, finger off. D. X. C button. F button. D Take button collapsed. D. Find space. Touch keyboard. Space button. Space. Okay, and there's space. So if I go now, if I come back to my normal keyboard and press left arrow. Space. D L R O W. Okay, there's world. So on W, go right. O R L D space. So what you'll find is that you can toggle on and off the on-screen keyboard if you wish with the three-finger double tap when you're editing and of course you can also use the type touch external keyboard that I'm currently using at the same time as well if you wish so let me just close the window for notepad start menu pane focus on mail six and that concludes this demonstration of the on-screen keyboard using narrator on the surface rt running windows 8 thanks for listening and bye for now Vision Australia, blindness and low vision services. I am very pleased to have with us today on Main Menu, Nancy Miracle from Digital Miracles, LLC. And Nancy is the president and senior partner of Digital Miracles, LLC. And welcome to Main Menu, Nancy. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. What do you do there at Digital Miracles? Well, Digital Miracles is an engineering company. We do software design for people. And if there's anybody out there in the listening audience who needs an unusual software property or custom software, they can certainly come and talk to us. Um, what Digitize is and how it relates to Digital Miracles is that it's a little bit of an unusual project for us. Um, in general, we develop things for other people. But the Digitize project was one that came up because I belong to a group for blind and low vision knitters. And one day, the ladies at the group were explaining to me how really terrible their assistive technology was. It was always broken, or it was out of batteries, or it was in the other room when you need it, and it was typically fragile and often very expensive. We were talking about just the sort of general state of the art of it. I thought to myself, you know, I'm a software engineer. 
the reason this stuff is so expensive, and we all know it kind of is, is because typically these are products that are made in very low volume. And it's very hard to get the manufacturing cost out of a piece of hardware that's made in low volume because you have all the costs for development and for tooling in your factories and that sort of thing. But, well, if we were going to address the problem of cost, because nobody wants to pay a lot of money for something like this, we have to do it by developing the functionality on a standard platform. And by that, I mean a piece of hardware that's already in high-volume manufacture, that's programmable, and that hopefully does not have the attributes of being out of battery, fragile, broken, uh, or elsewhere when you need it. And so I was talking to a couple of my partners here. We're brainstorming, and one of us said, you know, that could be the iPhone. Now, you have to understand, at the time, the iPhone did not have a camera that could be used for uh, resolving a barcode. This was when the iPhone 3G was out. It didn't have autofocus. So it was a little bit of an ambitious idea on our part. But we went ahead and said, well, let's, let's just do this. We're never going to find a customer who will pay us to do this, but we think it should be done. And let's see if we can go ahead and develop the product so that it's uniquely affordable. And by uniquely affordable, we started out with the target that it should sell for one-tenth of the cost of the regular assistive technology for label recognition and label making. And then we got into it and we realized that we were dealing with uh, devices that cost someplace between $500 and $1,000, $1,500. We thought, you know, we, we need to be more aggressive about this. Rather than produce something that can be sold for one-tenth of the cost, let's go ahead and see if we can develop something that would be sold for one order of magnitude, uh, sorry, two orders of magnitude less. And that would be one one-hundredth the cost of equivalent special purpose technology. So that put us in the position of trying to develop something that could be offered to the market around $10, $20, something like that. And happily, we did. And, and the reason why is, of course, because you don't have special purpose hardware for it. So that's kind of the story of how Digitize got started. We were the first iPhone package for assistive technology on the 3GS. We launched, I believe, four days after the 3GS was launched in 2010. And what the product specifically does is it deals with the issues of labeling and label recognition. What we understand is that there's a sort of continuum of label. When you buy something, it has the manufacturer's labels on it. Those are the UPC, or if you're in Europe, uh, EAN, Australia, they're called APNs. But they're the barcodes that the manufacturers put on packaged products so that it can be rung up at the register. So these are unique 12 to 13 digit numbers where one part of the number uh, tells you who the party is who has trade responsibility for the item not the manufacturer but who has a trade responsibility and then the other part is, is a serial number so lots of times they just start with one two three a product has that kind of number as long as it's in the original manufacturer's packaging but people use things and it comes out of the packaging you wear the shirt you take the food and you cook it and so there's a need to label things when they're out of the manufacturer's packaging as well. And what we took for an approach for that, again, because we wanted to use standard materials and have an entirely low-cost product, was we developed the concept of allowing the customers to print their own labels using inexpensive address labels. And the reason for doing this, every time I've talked about, for instance, Braille labels, I hear how frustrating they are because they come off. And a label that's sitting on the floor of your pantry isn't very useful. I mean, you know what it came off of, but good luck trying to put it back. So what we found out about Avery labels is that they are designed to go through the U.S. Postal Service, which means that they're tough and they really stay stuck. 
And when I called Avery and had a chat with them and said, how long is the stickum good for? And they said, oh, about 10 years. So I don't want to have anything in my pantry for 10 years. <laughs> That's okay with me. So what I decided to do was digitize, would read the manufacturer's labels and return to you information about what the item is. And then when you unpacked it, you would be able to generate your own labels put those on it, or maybe even put extra information, like a, a date bought something, slap a label on the box or the can or whatever, and at that point then still know what it was, even though it wasn't in the manufacturer's uh, packaging anymore. And our idea was that all of these labels, whether they were ones that you made yourself or other ones that the manufacturer provided, would be readable by using the iPhone, where you could simply pass the iPhone over the code with voiceover. VoiceOver would voice uh, what the item was, and there's a little bit of magic that goes into doing that, some internet magic. Or if it was something that was your own label, you would have two choices, one of which would be to create a label that had text in it. In other words, just type it in, and it gets converted to a barcode printed, and then you can play it back. Or record it, so that you would scan it, you would hear a prompt that said, record and then you could record as much content as you wanted. Uh, and when you pass your unit over it again, you would hear your, your, your own recording. So that's essentially what Digitize does. There, there were some things that turned out to be unexpectedly difficult about it. And the first one involving UPCs is that there is no database of UPCs. It is their own thing. And so and there's no place you could buy this information. So we had to develop quite a bit of software and kind of become the Google artist. And we are. We have about 35, 36 million barcodes at this point, and they're in all sorts of languages. Digitize is actually available in 10 languages. It will natively speak English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, German, Norwegian, Swedish, Danish, and Polish. And, and we have labels, barcode labels, in all of those. For instance, I was just talking to one of our people who was in Norway, one of our users. He said, well, how many Norwegian labels do you have? And the answer is several hundred thousand. And what that means is that the people in those countries, as well as people in the United States or Canada, uh, can use it by just, again, scanning barcode and then having digitized voice, uh, what we know from the manufacturer's databases. Now, we have a new feature, one that just came out in our release uh, in January here because we do update Digitize fairly recently. Uh, and that feature allows you to record with a UPC. So you not only can hear what we have on the database about a product, and that may include the manufacturer's instructions. It may include uh, nutrition information. It may include ingredients. It, it depends on what the manufacturer has published on the Internet. Uh, but you can also record your own information, uh, which is very handy. So that's what it does, is it, is, is it deals with labels. And there's many other strategies for identifying things. There's some products that will do visual recognition and tell you based on shape and color. The thing that we think is unique about digitize is the precision of the information. It's not going to end up in a situation where you have, say, a dish brush that's been made by the manufacturer, so it's a visual joke and it looks like a flower, and have the system come back and say, well, that's a flower. Okay, if we find a label, we'll tell you that is a dish brush. Mm-hmm. That, that's fundamentally what it does. Okay, okay. So it was sort of like uh, your what you were talking there about there at last was um, like a software, uh, an app I was trying just recently, and I took a picture of a record album. You, remember, you know what those are? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it knew that it was an Andy Williams CD. 
Well, it wasn't a CD. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was kind of amusing. Yeah, CD is played the same as the image on the album. Right, right. But, um, okay, uh, and, and I just wanted to mention, uh, if uh, if people are hearing a bit of uh, in and out, we are getting some fade in and out of the signal, Nancy. So uh, parts of the parts of what you said are, are, are a little easier understood than other parts, and we'll do as much as we can about that. But uh, it may not come out perfect, uh, but uh, I believe all the information is certainly there, but there is there was is some fading in and out. So I wanted to let people know we're doing the best we can. Uh, so I believe uh, there are several uh, different, uh, shall we say, levels of, of digitize. Yeah, could you maybe explain to us a little bit about the different levels and uh, what what each level does and the different kinds of codes and so forth? Sure. The full version can recognize four different kinds of codes. And a code is in some ways a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, the original digital codes of this type were, in fact, organized so they were sort of a horizontal bar. Uh, but today's codes come in uh, many different varieties. The ones that we read are the UPC codes, which are one of the great granddaddy codes, and those actually are a true barcode. We read QR codes, and when we make our own labels, or when you come to our website and you make labels for yourself, those are what are called QR codes. And QR stands for quick response. They're codes that are square. They were designed for very high-speed reading on automotive manufacturing lines. Uh, but nonetheless, they're a very handy code uh, if you've ever like dealt with a phenomena where they have a code and you scan it and it takes you to a website address. Uh, that's almost certainly a QR code because that's a very common use for them in a consumer setting. We also scan and recognize uh, code 3 of 9. That's an inventory-style code. If you're, for some reason, dealing with inventory tags, that's probably how they're made. And we can also read code 128, which is a code that's commonly used for serial numbers. And the reason for the last two of those, uh, truthfully, was, was customer request. One of our early users was a guy who did maintenance on computers, and he needed to be able to understand what the serial number was on the devices, even though he couldn't see what they were. And so we added the functionality for serial number reading with the code 128. So those are handy. If you have, for instance, a uh, labels that are made for some of the other systems, you'll find those are in code 128. And because you can report on, you could use those with digitized also. So if you buy the full package, and that's priced for $19.95, get all four features. But one of the things we found early on was that we had cases where people had bought the package, they were making their own labels, they were labeling things, and getting complaints. And the complaints were from sighted spouses and coworkers who wanted to be able to read the QR codes also. So since they didn't want to buy the, the full version, we actually released a free version called Digitize Light, and for short we call it DE Light or Delight. And what that does is that just reads QR codes. And then we heard from some people that wanted to read just one kind of code. They didn't want to read UPCs. They only wanted QRs or vice versa. And they wanted to record the QRs. And so we broke the package up so that you could buy it in pieces. So if, for instance, you only want to read UPC labels, the way to do it is to go and get the free version. And then there's a little icon at the bottom that says store. And you can go over to the Apple store and upgrade. And for $9, I believe 95 cents, you can go ahead and buy UPC reading only. Or if you just want to record your own labels and you don't want UPCs, you can do the same thing. It'll be $9.95. 
So if you want all functions, you can pay the full full price. If you want two functions, you can pay about the same amount of money. But if it's one function, and there are people who do, then you can get it for the, the price of just that function. Okay. All right. So um, if uh, a person is mostly going to do their own labeling, then you, you would want um, the QRC, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. You'd want to get the QR with labeling. Now, if you're going to generate text labels and you don't want to record audio, I mean, personally, I think that audio recording is where it's at. Mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of audio labeling. Right. But some people don't want that. Some people would just like to uh, make and read QR codes and we don't charge for making labels. You can just come to our website. You have to log in because uh, we do track your labels, and there's a reason for that. Because we've found that people occasionally throw out things with labels, and they need to be able to come back, find the labels, so that they can get the recording off their phones. Sure, sure. Um, but you can come to our website, and you can make your own QR code labels at no charge. We just let you specify what kind of labels you're printing on. You type whatever you want, or you say, I want a certain number of audio codes. My labels are four across and eight down, or three across and ten down. You can just tap through and type them if you want, if you only want to make a few of them. And then the system will create you a PDF, and you take the PDF, and you tell your printer to print this, and there's your labels. And there's no cost for that. Okay. So are there specific kinds of labels? If a person is going out to look for labels, um, is there any particular brand that they need or any particular specs they should be looking for? Avery controls the label market. They've just been a market leader for a long time. And what you'll find is even if you're going and buying a house brand label from some of the vendors like Staples or Office Max, they will state their labels as equivalent to Avery and then give you a number. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I know I was looking at them one time at uh, Office Max and kind of going, hmm, I wonder if this is right or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And then uh, the other part of that is, uh, I know the first time I did it, I was real skittish about because uh, there were you, you, in some of the uh, training it talks about uh, getting the labels lined up and so forth. And I was real scared when I was new, and I know other people that have said the same thing about how tough is that to get make sure that you're you're getting going to print your labels out right. There's a sort of one-time learning curve on that, and the, the big issue is you need to make certain sure that scaling is turned off on your printer. Okay. Uh-huh. Scale something down, and the PDFs are made absolutely exactly 8.5 by 11 if you've picked a U.S. size label or exactly A4 paper size if you picked a European one. Okay. We've allotted for the printer handling margins and all that kind of stuff. So you want to get the labels and you want to tell your printer, print this exactly as it is. Okay. And um, talk a little bit about uh, the, the training that you that comes with the, the app and uh, available on the website. We work very hard on trying to make the website be clear and very comprehensive because know that a lot of people that are getting this package are fiercely independent and want to look at training materials and want to take their time. So we built a sort of a step-by-step curriculum where there's like one example on here is how you scan a UPC. There's an example of a page of the UPC where you can tell that the UPC is in a particular place. And the idea is that this helps people uh, practice. And it's easier to practice on something that you know exactly what it's like because it's carefully described until you sort of get the feel for how this works. 
And we have the same thing for the QR text labels. We have the same thing for the QR audio labels. And the idea is that you should, if you want to be independent, and we know that most people do, you should be able to find out what you want on the website uh, without having to uh, go through all the hassle of asking somebody. But unlike uh, any other iPhone package that I'm aware of, we also do provide support. So if you are having a problem, first of all, you can uh, send us any scan if you're scanning things and you're passing your phone over an item and you're going, well, my goodness, why am I not getting this to work? All you have to do is tap on the screen and it brings up an option that says send this to support. And it actually takes the image of what you're scanning, sends it over to our support department. And then someone comes back and say, well, you don't have this code in focus or there's no code in here at all. Um, the most common thing is telling people, be sure you're using the camera on the back of the phone, not the camera on the front of the phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. What about, uh, you know, there are some of us who are inherently bad about shaking, uh, uh, getting the phone too close, too far away. Any general rules on that that can help? A person? Sure. And, and, and I've been saying anything else. It's like, you know, when you first use a cane, it seemed very awkward. If you have a dog, you know how weird that felt initially. But the easiest way to think about it um, is that the camera is activated by vertical motion, not horizontal motion. So you're best off to start with the camera close to the object. Okay, and we have a lot of hints about where you're likely to find codes if you're scanning UPCs. Mm-hmm. Scanning the labels you make yourself, of course, is very easy because you can tell where the edges are. Right. So, oh, there you are, boom. But if you're scanning uh, UPCs, it can be trickier. You start with the phone close to the object and just sort of float it up and away. And you'll get a feel after you've used it for a bit about your phone and, and what the camera's like. On the 3GS, which was the great-granddaddy phone there, the recognition uh, space and understand this varies a little bit with the size of the code, but recognition space is typically four to six inches. Okay. okay. On the five, you're going to find that it's often out at around two feet. Wow. Four, it's going to be a foot, maybe a little bit more. So the, the five, you can actually be a long ways away from a code, a surprising long ways away, and, and still get a good read. I recently had my, my phone, I was down at, at a supermarket, and I have found now that many of the supermarkets, Kroger, Safeway, uh, particularly is good at it, uh, have shelf tags, and the shelf tags have the UPCs on it. Okay. What happens, I take the uh, take my fingers to run down the shelf to find where the shelf tags are mm-hmm. and follow behind with my phone. And even though the phone, and I have a, an iPhone 5, even though the phone was about 18 inches away from the shelf, okay, it was going ahead and it was capturing what was on the shelf tags and telling me, what that item was. Okay, okay. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that if you're closer with, like, an iPhone 5, that it's not going to pick it up. It's just going to pick it up sooner or easier, but you can pick it up further away. Yeah, yeah. They will all work around four inches. Okay. Okay, it's just with the iPhone 5, because the camera's a much better camera. Right. This further distance, and with a 4, it's kind of in the middle. It's around 12 inches. Okay. Now, I did notice that that, uh, you can also use digitize on on an iPad. What if somebody uh, is uh, stuck with an iPad like the one we happen to have in our resource center, which is is an iPad 2, which has the... Uh, it has a camera, but just barely. <laughs> is that going to work, or is that a little too low? No, that, the iPad 2 has the camera that does not have autofocus. Okay. 
our autofocus. Now, the new iPad, I saw a very neat implementation on <laughs> where somebody had actually taken it. And I guess his, his wife was a plate collector or is a plate collector. And he put his iPad on this plate collection stand. And he was just moving stuff right in front of it like he was a grocery clerk. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. The one that just came out, oh, I think it was in October. Uh, that can also be used because that has an autofocus camera. Okay. But without an autofocus, you kind of have a problem. Yeah. Without autofocus, it has to be a really big barcode to be any of any use. Okay. 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 Because I wondered, uh, you know, if somebody has one of the older uh, iPads or one of the, like the, I believe the iTouch 4 probably was the same camera. Um, it, it's going to probably be problematic. I think it was. Initially, we did have it running on the Touch 4, and then Apple did a software release, uh, iOS 4, and all of a sudden it stopped working because they changed some of the ways that they handle their camera. Now, one of the things found, oddly, is that you can buy a fisheye lens at Best Buy or Amazon for about $9, and you can put it on, on the Touch 4, and that actually will make the Touch capable of reading UPC codes. Okay. Not but reading UPCs. But it, it's awkward. They, they attach with a magnetic ring, and you're snapping them on, and you're snapping them off. So unless you were really motivated to want to do that, I would not recommend it. Okay, but the iTouch 5 should be okay. It's it's pretty slick. Okay, okay. Using the uh, UPC lookup function, it does need an Internet connection. Okay, because we do not put the database on your device. Sure, sure. But as long as you've got wireless, then you should be okay. Correct. See, the thing is, our our, deba our database is so huge. If we had to transmit 35 million records, we would use <laughs> Yeah, we'd use just a little data. Right. And, and the truth is, you really only want to know about one item at a time. Right, right. You don't have any charge for database updates, which is nice. Uh, but you do have to have a working Internet connection because it's going to create a transaction, send it to our host computer, get an answer, and then display it to you. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate all of the good information that you that you given us about Digitize. Um, it's certainly an app I enjoy using, and I know quite a few other people that use it. And appreciate you coming on and talking about Digitize and telling us about the different versions and the different kinds of codes. And uh, I think people probably have a better idea now uh, of what it's all about and what Digitize is all about and a better idea of uh, which version of Digitize they want, preferably the full version. <laughs> Would you like a little call? I'll be happy to show it to you. Sure. Turn on my iPhone here. Voice over on. Okay. So I've got here a, a container. Scan button. Okay. So Scanning. Tap twice to cancel. Okay. So I, I just going to pass the phone sort of over my container here. Let me turn it up actually so you can hear it. Okay. And that ticking noise tells you it's Bisquick pancake mix. Buttermilk five dot ten ounces. Okay, so this is Bisquick pancake mix. Then what you'll find is there's some additional buttons here. Okay. More information. Web search. But record button. Report wrong description. Scan button. So you're going to want to pick the function you want. Uh, from let's try more information on that one. More information. But Bisquick pancake mix. Butter. General Mills sales. Five out ten ounces. 
Loose and lid after shaking. Refrigerate up to three days after opening. One, fill container with two slash three cup water. Replace lid tightly. Two, shake container hard for 30 seconds. Tap bottom corners of container to loosen remaining mix. Shake again. Three, pour batter onto hot grease skillet forming four inch pancakes. If batter is too thick, add up to one tablespoon cool water. High altitude. Now it's going to tell you more about that then. Okay. Flour, niacin, butter, thiamine, mononitrate, riboflavin, folic acid, sugar, partially hydrogenated soybean and slash or cotton oil, baking soda, daffodil soy flour, salt, nutrition facts, serving size, three pan servings per container, 2.5 amount per serving, calories, 220 calories from fat, nutrition facts, serving size, three pan results. But I don't, I don't think I want to know about the calories. <laughs> I'm sure I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, that, and, and so that's good. It's good, though, that you you have that information because uh, particularly for a person maybe that is uh, diabetic or whatever, having that kind of information and access to that is good. It's it very helpful. Now, note that we don't have it on everything. Well, sure. Medicare's right. vary quite a lot. And we also have a lot of information about things that are not food. Right, right. I, I noticed, for instance, that we've got, uh, I believe, uh, eight different colors of Hannah Montana backpacks. Uh, okay. Uh, we have books. We've got CDs. We've got uh, household chemicals. Um, it's 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 surprising what manufacturers do with their numbers on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I not too long ago found that our uh, software had managed to retrieve a bunch of information from a vendor in Greenland who sells freeze-dried musk ox meat. Okay. Yes. Just what we always wanted. Indeed. Uh, they sell uh, seal meat, and I believe they sell narwhal, which is uh, the thing that's got the horn like a unicorn. Mm-hmm. And they don't have UPC codes on them. So now, with let's say you went someplace to um, that where they package their own meat. Let, let's say, you know, it may be a supermarket, but they, they package some of their own meat. Um, and they may have a code on theirs, too, obviously. Is it going to read that? It, the answer is it's a big maybe. Okay. There's a, a class of codes that are private codes that a store can use for themselves. Uh, some of them start with the number two and some of them start with the number four. Uh, in one case, what the code will tell you is it will tell you the weight of the item. And in some cases, it will tell you the price. Okay. And if we can figure it out, we'll tell you. This has a weight of 1.10 or this has a price of 2.97. Uh, but if they've used the code simply to convey internal information to their checkout stand, uh, we would not know that. Okay, okay. So if it's just a, uh, maybe uh, a code that's used to find it in their uh, inventory, then we, you may not be able to figure out anything about it. That's correct. And at which point we would say, item. if we know that it's a private code, we'll tell you it's a private code. Um, so we, if, if it's something that's a legitimate public code and we don't know, we'll say, we don't know what this is. And that actually will trigger our software on the host system to go and try and search for more information about that. And okay. okay. And so what people find is maybe they're scanning something. It's not found. But if they come back and scan it again in uh, 48 hours or so, all of a sudden find it's there. Ah, Okay. Okay. But if it's a private code, uh, there's really no point in us adding that because every one of 10,000 different supermarkets could be using that same code in a different way. There's no mm-hmm. But if it's something like, say, from Safeway or Kroger or something like that, there might be a pretty good chance it might be available. 
It is. It is. The public label, the, the private labeled items like the great value brand at Walmart um, or, for instance, some of the brands at Tesco, which is a big supermarket in the UK, we are very likely to have. If it's a more obscure private brand, uh, you'll probably be prompted to, to enter the information if you know it. And if you do, it then goes on the database and becomes immediately retrievable to you as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, again, uh, I really appreciate you coming on Main Menu and talking about Digitize and uh, uh, the different parts of it and how you get the information and, and so forth. Uh, I really appreciated getting to talk to you about Digitize. Did you want to give us any contact information? Sure. You can find us on our website, which is digit, D-I-G-I-T, dash, eyes, E-Y-E-S, digit, dash, eyes, dot com. Our phone number is on there, and we actually do answer our phone. Uh, there's links where you can email us. And that's the easiest way to get help. And we are here to help. We're very interested in talking to people who are using it and making sure that the experience is successful. Please do contact us. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And um, unless you had something else, why we'll say thank you for coming. And uh, uh, you're always welcome to come back and talk to us again. Well, thank you very much. I'll probably think of a whole bunch of stuff after we hang up. Oh, isn't that always the way? <laughs> that is so thank, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you all. Hello, Main Menu listeners. This is Chase Crispin from the Exhibit Hall of ATIA 2013 in Orlando. I'm here with Eric Damery from Freedom Scientific, and we're going to be talking about the newest from Freedom Scientific. Welcome back, Eric. Hi, Chase. It's good to be back, and uh, hello to everyone on Main Menu. So what's new with Freedom Scientific? Well, we've been uh, busy this past year. We've come out with a brand new version of our Magic Screen Magnification software. So it's Magic 12, and uh, it's got a whole new user interface. It's got all new HD font smoothing and mouse smoothing. And we've added in something called Speech on Demand, which is really a revolutionary approach to speech in a screen magnifying software program. Instead of it talking whenever things change or whenever you move around, it will only speak if you give it a speak command. So uh, it's a little different approach. Screen reading users really like to have windows announced as they change. If a dialogue comes up, you want to read the first control. But a low vision user might find that to be a little too verbose. So the software will just go ahead and change, focus moves to the location, and if you need to get extra speech, you can just give it a screen reading command, just like a JAWS user would, because the commands are all the same. It's really a neat approach. Magic 12 has been widely accepted out there. Uh, people who have seen it have loved it, and we've offered a pretty unique program and just extended it till the end of April. If somebody has any other screen magnification software, they contact Freedom Scientific, and for $199, they can get version of Magic that will run on any of the Windows operating systems in uh, Vista and Windows 7. Um, they also get a keyboard and they get a software maintenance agreement that goes with it so they'll get Magic 13 and 14 down the road. All of that for $199 is a pretty good deal. Wow, that is a really good deal. Um, we've also got JAWS 14 which came out in uh, the end of October and we're showing it here at the booth. We've got a new update for JAWS 14 and Magic 12, as a matter of fact, that'll be released uh, 
shortly after the show. We're hoping Monday and Tuesday when I get back to the uh, office, we'll get those both posted for everyone. And uh, we're showing here at the booth Windows 7 and Windows 8 with JAWS 14 right now, along with our brand new Focus 80 Braille display. So we have a Bluetooth version of 40 cells. We recently introduced Focus 14, and now we've got Focus 80 as well in a much smaller phone factor than we've ever done before. So it's just a slick device. What's the price on the 80 cell unit? The 80 is uh, seven or 8,000. I don't have the exact number, but call the office and they can give it to you. The 40 cell is 27.95, and the 14 cell, which works nice with not only Windows, but you can use it with your iOS device, iPad or iPhone. Uh, you can also use it with an Android, and you can use it with a Symbian operating system. And that 12, uh, 14 cell display is $12.95. Comes with a nice case and you can hang it around your neck and it opens right up like an old note taker would. And you can interact with your phone in, in grade two without ever taking your phone out of your pocket. You can do all your text messaging, put in contacts, and even dial the phone if you're running with a Bluetooth headset, maybe. Very cool. We've also got Dan Clark here from Freedom Scientific, and Dan is going to be talking to us for just a minute about some of the webinars and training available from Freedom Scientific. As many people know, we have the e-learning page. Go to freedomscientific.com forward slash e-learn, E-L-E-A-R-N, and you'll find a list of all of our webinars. We've got both paid webinars and free webinars. We'll be doing a presentation tomorrow at, I think it's 1220 on Friday about this very subject. We're going to talk about the free webinars and the paid webinars and also the JAWS certification program. So it's a very great thing. We've got hours and hours. In fact, we've got now over 70 hours of archive recordings. It's free. Everything from just how to use JAWS from the ground up, like basic reading commands, to more advanced topics, topics like web accessibility and testing web pages with JAWS. Just a whole bunch of different subjects. That's the last one is a paid one. But we have over 50 hours of paid webinars and these are growing all the time. Now, the paid webinars, the most expensive one is $49, and it's a 12-hour class, 12 different one-hour lessons wow. over the course of a couple of weeks. Um, the rest of them are all $29 or $19 for basically a three or a four-and-a-half-hour class, three lessons. So it's really inexpensive, and they used to cost a lot more. We made the price drop, which gave it uh, a wider audience, I guess, that could afford it. So we're getting the word out to a whole lot of people. So we're really excited about it. Can you give us some contact information for Freedom Scientific? Sure. Everyone knows of freedomscientific.com. You can get to our website. And uh, our phone number is 800-444-4443. All right. Thank you very much, Eric, for joining us today. Okay, Chase. Enjoy the show. Australia, blindness and low vision services. In this demonstration, I want to show you how to use the Google Chrome browser on your Mac to access described video programming on the SAMnet mobile network or SA mobile network. And of course, the other term for described video programming is audio described DVDs, movies, or TV programs for that matter. Okay, so first of all, let me say that I've got my Mac turned on, voiceovers running, and as usual, let me start from a known spot on the Mac by going to the desktop with Shift VOD, 
remembering that the VO keys are the control and option keys held down together. So I'll do that now. Shift VOD or Shift Control Option D. Desktop, Macintosh HD, selected volume. Let's go to the Applications folder with Shift Command A. Applications, now in Applications window. Let's jump down to Google Chrome that I previously installed by just doing GO for Google. Google Chrome.app. Okay, let's do Command O to open that. Open Chrome. Okay, now let me open up the SA Mobile Network website. And of course, we do that by doing Command L for location. Open location. Let's type in HTTP colon slash slash Unhighlighted. Insert. So that was HTTP colon forward slash forward slash SAMobile SAMOBILE dot net dot NET. Account number. Edit text. Okay, now of course, previously I've already typed in my account number and PIN number for the SA Mobile Network. So let me just press the tab key to get the login button. And I'm going to do VO spacebar or contraption spacebar to select that button. So I press tab. PIN, secure edit text, link. Forgot your login information, login button. Okay, there's our login button. So VO spacebar or contraption spacebar. Press login button. Heading over one, SAM net home. Visited link. You have five nine new messages. Okay, now we want to get through the menu here to get to entertainment. And of course, there's another ways we can do that. For the moment, I'm just going to press the tab key to get to entertainment. Visited link, email, link, socializer, link, bookmarks, link, my newspaper, link, personal website, link, my blog, link, SAM net community member resources, link, weather, link, notes, link, my account, link, news, visited link, entertainment. Okay, there's entertainment. Let's just press the enter key or the return key. Heading, heading level one, entertainment. Please choose one of the following one, five links. Okay, let's press the tab key again to get down to described video programming. Link, one to AK Music Network, visited link, accessible games, link, audiobooks, concerts, speeches and recordings, visited link, described video programming. That's the one we want, so let's press the enter key again. Heading, heading level one, describe video programming. Please choose one of the following four links. List four items, link. Let's press the tab key. Visited link, movies. Movies, this is what I would like to access at the moment, so let's press the enter key again. He heading level one, movies. Please choose one of the following three two links. Okay, let's press the tab key. Link, new additions in the past three zero days. List 32 items. Okay, new additions in the last 30 days. Tab again. Visited link, action. Tab again. Link, adventure. Link, animation. So, adventure, animation. Let's choose animation by pressing the enter key. 80s, heading level 1, heading level 1, animation. Please choose one of the following 109 links. Okay. List 100. And let's press the tab key. Link, 101 Dalmatians. Link, Aladdin. Link, Animal Farm. Link, Animals United. Link, The Ant Bully. Link, The Aristocats. Link, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Link, Balto. Link, Bambi. Now, since I've got children, I'm actually going to choose Bambi. Okay, so let's press the indicator to choose that one. Heading level one, Bambi. List 16 items. Rating, G. Length, 68 minutes. Stars, 3.5. Genre, animation slash family slash drama. I'm just letting this read at the moment. 1942. 
Description. Bambi, a baby deer, learns life's lessons in love, loss, and growth with his forest friends Thumper, the playful rabbit, Flower, the bashful skunk, and the wise friend Owl. Cast. Hardy Albright. Okay, press the control key to give it quite a course. Press tab. Link. View trailer from the internet movie database. List three okay, items. View the trailer. Tab again. Link. Play. Or we can play it. So let me press the indicator to start playing it. Pause slash resume button. Stop button. Previous button. Previous button. Next. Okay, now that's a bit loud. So let me press tab to try and find the softer button. Louder button. Softer button. Okay, and it's going to do VO spacebar control from spacebar to reduce that. Walt Disney presents. Volume. Press, press, soft, press, soft, press, 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 softer button. There we go. So as you could tell, I had to actually press that key quite a lot to reduce the volume, but it does indeed work. So now we can properly listen to our controls. So if I press tab, mark button. I've got mark, and if I use that particular function, it'll actually mark a spot in the movie and email me the link, so I can start listening from that spot in the movie again. I press tab. Add preset button. That's add preset. That's add the, this movie to my list of presets in Simnet. Tab again. Leaving HTML content. And that's in the HTML area. So if I do shift tab. Leaving toolbar. That's a mobile media player. HTML content. Mark button, softer button. That's the softer one we used before. Louder button. That's louder. So of course, if I did VO spacebar or contraption spacebar, we would actually increase the volume. Next button. Next button. Let's do shift tab again. Previous button. Previous button. So shift tab again. Stop button. Stop button. Of course, is press stop button. Stop. <laughs> and stop the movie. Pause slash resume button. And let's do pause slash resume and see what happens. Press pause slash resume button. Now, because I stopped it, it's now gone back to the beginning of the movie. Let's just wait for it to start playing again. There we go. Okay, now, of course, if I now pause, press pause slash resume button, it'll start now playing or resuming again from where I just paused it. Press pause slash resume button. Supervising editor. David D. Hand. Storage. Okay, if I press shift tab. Leaving HTML content. I'll come out of the HTML area. As a mobile media player, HTML content. Back in. Tab. Stop button. Stop. Pause slash resume button. Pause slash resume. Stop button. Stop. Previous button. Previous. Next button. Next, etc. And of course, to stop all this playing with the Samnet media player. And just press the command W key to close the window. Close tab, link, play, list three. Okay, and of course, if I want to quit Google Browser, I can just do command Q. Quick finder, applications, window. And there you have it. That's actually how to listen to described video programming for movies, TV shows on the Samnet mobile network using VoiceOver and Chrome on your Apple Mac. If you've got any other questions about Apple accessibility, please contact the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. 
blindness and low vision services. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week, and we'll see you soon.